What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copon. It's February 18, 2022, and this is Lift and Learn episode 75. In this episode, I'll be talking about how much muscle you should expect to lose after getting injured. That one hit home a bit. And in the second topic, I'll talk about why you shouldn't be relying on supplements because most of them are overrated. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So first off, I think I might sound a little bit different this week. Hopefully a little bit more crisp this week and going forward. I ended up buying a few things on Amazon this week, but I still needed another $20 or so for free shipping. So I finally went out and bought a foam cover for my microphone, which is just a blue snowball, nothing crazy there. And that also came with a pop filter, so that means it shouldn't really sound like I'm spitting right now if I say certain sounds or words with a P or a T in it. And if it didn't work, then whatever. It still looks cool. After more than a year of doing the podcast, I finally decided to spoil myself, so I grabbed that. I mean, I know you guys can't see my setup, but my mic actually looks pretty professional right now. And I think it does sound a little bit more clearer, so hopefully the sound quality for this podcast has now gone up. We're going to the moon now. Alright, so when I went and stepped into the gym this week, training has been good, but I missed a few days this week and that's alright. I ended up having to miss some of my workouts because of lineups in the gym this week, which has now come to an end, but I'll talk about, uh, talk a bit about, talk a bit more about that later, there you go. Also, I'm recording this Thursday night after having to shovel my driveway when I got home at 10 p.m. Man, we got another 10 centimeters of snow or more already, and I think that's going to keep going until the morning. So, again, that might be another missed workout for me, but after Saturday, I should be back to normal. I'm not worried. Uh, Back to being consistent when it comes to getting myself a workout in the gym. So, on bench press, I've been working on a normal grip. For as long as I can remember, I've been doing the suicide or the thumbless grip. So for the past three weeks or however long it's been since the gym's opened, I've been trying to bench with a normal grip and for me, it's still pretty awkward. I definitely feel weaker doing it, but I'll try to stick with it for now and see how it goes. Squats are feeling good though. Earlier this week, uh, I did, what was it, 190 for 10 reps, constant tension, still brutal. I also sumo deadlifted for the first time in a while. That must have been Monday now. I repped out 275 just to see how it felt, and it moved pretty smoothly. And that's pretty much it. I've been doing my best to keep my sets over 8 reps because I have the tendency to just lift as much weight as possible for 3-6 to reps, but I just gotta stick to the plan I made for myself. 
And just because I'm on here saying that my training went well, and I've said numerous times on the podcast before that you need to avoid highly processed foods in order to be healthy, that does not mean that I follow everything that I say or everything that's deemed to be healthy 100% of the time. This week I had chips, just regular ones, for the first time in a while, and it was great. On top of that, I also missed three days of working out this week in a row, Again, that's fine. It's about being consistent more than not. I understand that not everyone is going to adhere to whatever health plans they have every single day until the day we all die. That's not really a reasonable way for anyone to live. Even the pro competitors, guys who compete on stage at like 3% body fat, if you follow some of these guys on Instagram or YouTube, you'll see that a bunch of them are quick to binge after a competition quickly gain like 10 to 20 pounds just a few days after they were looking absolutely shredded on stage. In life, you just have to have a certain kind of balance. And believe me when I say, getting on stage to compete is not healthy. Even eating clean 100% of the time, believe it or not, that's not healthy either. You need a bit of a balance. I'm just a regular person, and I might preach a lot of stuff on here, but by no means am I following all of these health protocols for every hour of the day. I'll have my own days where I'll be sitting for more than four hours without getting up, even though I've mentioned so many times that you should get up every hour or two to just stretch out your body. Listen, nobody's perfect. You just gotta do your best to at least keep it in mind to at least do some kind of movement throughout the day and find some kind of balance that works for you in your own life. Anyways, so this is actually a big week if you live in Ontario, Canada like me. So first off, I don't know if you've heard, but there was some protests going on. I don't know exactly what it's about, but something COVID related. So a bunch of people and truckers, they clogged up the Windsor Ambassador Bridge. So it basically stopped products from coming through the U.S. border while both in and out of Canada. They're protesting because of vaccine and mask mandates and stuff like that. It's weird that this is happening in Canada because it seems like an American thing to do. Anyways, fast forward a few days, someone high up in the government ends up calling state of emergency to get rid of all of those trucks and vehicles that were blocking uh, all that bridge. And that was the last I heard about that. As far as I know, they didn't turn out to be violent. And on Monday, Doug Ford spoke again about all of the stuff that's been going on. I didn't really care about most of it, but he did end up announcing that pretty much everything is going back to full capacity. So gyms, restaurants, all that good stuff that came into effect today, Thursday the 17th, even though the podcast comes out on Fridays. And then he also went on to say that masks are still going to be a thing going forward. But the vaccine passports that have been around for not even a year yet, the vaccine passports are going to be gone starting March 1st. Oh no, it has been more than a year. Uh, as of 2020? Uh, no, actually, I don't think so. But anyways, they're going to be gone starting March 1st. That one surprised me and kind of scares me a bit. But I guess the protesters won. Even though Doug Ford keeps on saying that it's about his doctor's knowledge about this being the end of the toughest part of the COVID pandemic, he's been saying COVID is a thing of the past, I mean, since the damn thing started. So I guess we'll see, but honestly, we're going to have to 
eventually learn how to live with it because it's not going to go away unless we truly have a vaccine where we won't spread or contract the virus. Until that happens, there's not much to do but continue on living life as normal as possible. It's been nearly two and a half years since the virus was first detected. Yeah, it's here to stay. And people on their own will have to learn to take their own precautions when it comes to places they should avoid if they're scared of getting the virus. Personally, I'd never take public transit unless I really had to. And I'll still, most, uh, I'll still be mostly masked up going forward when I'm indoors in a crowded area. So yeah, gym's back to full capacity now, which is kind of cool to see. There were a lot of people in the gym today, unsurprisingly, but I'm glad that I don't have to wait in any more lineups. It's still winter out here. Some of those days were like minus 20, where I'd be outside in a lineup for like 15 or 20 minutes. And I can't just go on to the fitness topics today without first talking about the good old Super Bowl that happened last weekend. Matthew Stafford, after years of being on the Detroit Lions, I think he was there for more than a decade. He didn't win a single playoff game over there, even when he had Megatron by his side. That's Calvin Johnson, for those that don't know. So Stafford and the LA Rams pulled off a comeback to win the Super Bowl game. Uh, It sucks that... Odell Beckham wasn't able to play the whole game, but they still pulled off the victory. So congrats to them. And OBJ, I don't know, man, his future is going to be in question because I heard that he injured his ACL again, the same knee that he already injured in 2020. So that's going to be a rough recovery for him. I wish him the best. And he's set to be a free agent this summer, so I don't know any teams that would risk picking him up, but I'm sure he'll sign somewhere if he wants to continue his career. But more importantly, the halftime show was great. There was that leaked video of Snoop lighting one up before he went on stage at halftime, so he was definitely having a great time. I think that halftime show was dope because it's actually music I listened to growing up. I could have probably enjoyed the show without Mary J. Blige and Kendrick, but they were still good to see over there. But man, Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem, and even the upside down 50 Cent, man, that was awesome. The memes of him were just too funny. Some people seem to forget that 50 Cent was upside down in that in the club video. Some of those kids on Twitter just don't know about that. But 50 gained a bit of weight, man. Dude still pulled out that old G unit tank top from the early 2000s, but. He forgot to go up maybe one or two sizes. But yeah, everybody did look great up there, so I enjoyed that. I just wished Eminem and 50 Cent did more than one song, but whatever. It was still the one that I'll remember the most. I mean, besides the Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson one. Question one. How much strength do you lose when injured? I'm just going to say, first off, I don't wish any injuries on anyone. Honestly, they are the worst. The recovery process is not fun, especially when you're on a roll when it comes to training and diet and all of that good stuff. So how much strength should you expect to lose if you're injured? Well, that really does depend on how serious the injury is, where the injury is, and how long it keeps you from being active. So it really does depend. If it's just a little minor tweak and you're off the gym for a week or so, even if you're going on a little vacation for a week, this applies too. After a week, I don't think you'll lose a significant amount of muscle and strength unless your diet is super off. It's going to take a bit longer than that, 
Anything under 7 to 10 days, you'll keep pretty much all of what you have. You might need a session or two to get back to normal, but you should be fine, so I don't think you should be too concerned. But now, if we're talking about a more serious injury, like being out for at least two weeks, then I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but yes, you are going to lose a bit of muscle since you're going to spend some time of that, or some of that time, relaxing and resting. Well, you should be if you don't want to further injure yourself. Just the fact that you're going to have to ignore some limb or maybe a whole half of your body, maybe the whole lower half if you have a leg injury, and probably most of your upper body if you uh, break your arm or something. So yeah, you're going to lose a little bit of muscle, but I'm just going to tell you right now that it's going to be okay. After you've done your resting and recovering, once you start to get into the process of lifting and exercising again, It'll be a lot easier to gain back your old muscle and motor control, and that's because of muscle memory. It has to do with neural pathways, and I won't get into the true science of how the neurons work in your nervous system, but it's basically like when you learn how to ride a bike. You learn it when you're young, and you ride smoothly for a few years, then probably don't ride one for a while. And you could not ride a bike for more than 10 years, and you might still be a bit rusty at it when you first uh, hop on a bike again, but you'll quickly gain back your ability to ride on the bike. And that's because the systems in your body, they're really good at retaining information when it comes to balance and coordination and strength. But before you do get back into resistance training and even some amount of cardio if your injury is in the lower half of your body, just make sure that you take it easy nice and slow because you don't want to re-injure or aggravate that same injury. That'll slow down the process and could actually make it even worse than the first time you got injured. So make sure you're getting into things slowly, work on range of motion and mobility and stability within that area or the joint that was injured before trying to get back to where your old strength was as fast as possible. Moving on from that, there are actually ways you can actually retain or keep some muscle and strength even while you're injured. Let's say, for example, you broke your left arm and you're in a cast, then you can still work the opposite side of the body, so you can still do movements involving only your good arm, the right arm, as long as your injured side doesn't get affected by this. So maybe some shoulder presses or curls, and also if your left arm is broken, you can still hit some legs or lower body exercises if you're really missing the gym badly. And studies do show that working out another area of the body will help prevent the amount of muscle you lose in the injured area. I think the study was someone with a broken arm, which is why I kind of used that example just a second ago. So they had a group where some people worked out while injured, and they had another group where they were injured but weren't prescribed exercise. Well, the group that worked out actually had less muscle loss, so they kept on more muscle. Even in the injured arm that was still broken, they kept muscle in that injured arm while working out the rest of the body. The group that worked out were able to keep more muscle than those who didn't exercise. So there is a bit of evidence that working out while injured, if you can, can actually help you preserve muscle even if you're not using whatever limb is injured. It's just your body reacting to the stresses that you put on it because your body's pretty freaking smart. So working out in some capacity, even when you're injured, if you are capable, that's going to prevent the amount of muscle you could potentially lose. 
And when you are ready to get back into the gym, it would be smarter to initially focus on unilateral movements first, just so that the, linger, uh, the injured leg or arm or whatever it may be, you allow it to slowly catch up to the rest of your body because it will have lost some strength and that's completely normal. It wouldn't be smart to just go right back into a barbell squat after injuring your leg. Doesn't make sense. You're going to have to build the surrounding muscles and joints and tendons in that area by doing smaller movements. Exercises that challenges uh, stability of that injured area are going to be more important than adding load and weight right after you believe you're all cured and all better. Since I have a client going through this right now, I'm literally dealing with this on a daily basis. She injured her vastus lateralis, and that's the outside of the quadriceps muscle. She can't squat right now. She's been resting for nearly two weeks. We've been slowly testing out the range of motion constantly. The x-ray showed nothing like I thought it would, and she has an ultrasound in a few weeks. In the meantime, there's been a lot of resting involved for the first two weeks. That meant active recovery. For her, would be walking. She does that all the time. We have to do that at a slow speed because of said injury. Walking up and down the stairs is still difficult, but has gotten progressively better week after week. We decided it would be smart to take the first week off of training completely, but she seemed to be walking pretty normally after a week, so she got back to doing some upper body movements again in the second week. Lower body movements are still difficult, but like I said, if the injury isn't affected by doing other parts of your body, then they should be fine for you to still do and hit, and she'll keep more of that muscle in that leg as opposed to her not working out at all. So for now, two weeks after the injury, we haven't done any leg exercises, like not even a leg press or a squat because her range of motion is limited. So I have her just walking slowly on that treadmill, no Stairmaster, but we're able to work upper body for now. So she's still being active. She's not on crutches or anything. And after a week or so off the gym, she didn't lose any strength in her upper body. If anything, she might have even gained strength because of the time off. Her body really needed that rest since she is someone that is really consistent when it comes to exercise. Speaking more about personal experiences, even me personally, I dislocated my shoulder and I talked about this a lot last year. It's actually been almost a year since that happened, which is crazy. But yeah, I couldn't do anything involving my left arm for a month and then I started rehab. Now me, I didn't really work out at all for the first month or so. Even though I knew working out would prevent some muscle loss, I knew all this already, but I just took it as mainly a break because I didn't know how long the recovery process would be. I'd never dislocated my shoulder before. And at the time, the gyms were closed. I didn't have motivation. I just needed a break from working out after working out pretty consistently for nearly seven years straight. I hadn't taken a break as long as that from the gym, but I felt like I needed it. And me also being a personal trainer for pretty much just as long as I've been training, I knew that I had the motivation and discipline to get back into shape because I'm very into fitness. That's why I decided to become a personal trainer because it's something I like to do and I hope that I can convince others to do the same as well. I just remember being at my Airbnb with a dislocated shoulder. I'd spend some time throughout the day rehabbing my shoulder with super light resistance bands. I'd test out my range of motion daily in the backyard, in the sun. 
I'd maybe do a few lunges here and there, but absolutely nothing was structured. And you might be thinking that it's the end of the world after you've been injured, or you're never going to be back to where you once were. Oh man, I've been there, done that. But it's really all just about taking it one step at a time, or more like one day at a time. Shift your mindset a bit when you're injured. Don't just always be thinking so negatively, like, oh no, I'm going to lose all my gains. That was such hard work. My strength is going to be gone. I already mentioned earlier about muscle memory. It's easier to get back old muscle than it is to create new muscle. So, okay, shifting your mindset. Instead, try to think of your injury as a blessing in disguise, even though I know it's going to be tough to do. When you're through the resting phase, work on what you can, and more specifically, what you're lacking. I was just reading Aaron Horshig's book again. Uh, I think it was Rebuilding Milo, but that's the guy who runs Squat University, which is a super popular uh, social media page on Instagram and on YouTube. He's a smart guy. And at the very beginning of the book, he says that pretty much every year in the U.S., there are at least 100,000 ACL injuries that happen every year. Why? He says it could be from lack of proper stability and mobility with the knee, along with the surrounding joints, and he believes that around 70% of them could be prevented if athletes were to focus on proper movement to counteract all of the external load and the brutal forces that especially NFL players go through with how serious their training is and how serious the sport is. There's a lot of hype around NFL players just looking to squat or deadlift the most amount of weight possible in hopes that that'll translate onto the field, but being able to change directions quickly is also important, which is when these injuries tend to occur. So when I say it's a blessing in disguise, it could be time to put more focus on lacking body parts, certain mobility issues you have, and you know you have, but you've been choosing to ignore it because you're trying to squat or bench as much weight as possible. To prevent further injuries, you have to make sure that you're stable and mobile throughout as large a range of motion as possible. And yes, even doing that, injuries can still occur, but you're doing your best to lower those chances. And if you are injured, after you're done with your resting phase, try to get some movement in if possible. So losing some strength after an injury is completely normal. Take the recovery process seriously and slowly, and that'll ensure that you don't make the injury worse. It would also be smart when recovering from the injury to work on unilateral movements, work each side of the body separately so that you don't have any strength imbalances when you're trying to squat or bench press or whatever the exercise may be. If you have one arm at 100% and the other one at 50%, it does not make sense at all to just start bench pressing because you're going to see that the weaker side is going to be falling behind in some of those movements, those barbell movements. So if you're overly concerned about losing muscle when you're injured, Just know that it'll happen to a certain extent, and that's based on how serious the injury is and how long it lasts. It's normal for you to lose some muscle, but there are a few ways you can prevent some muscle loss from happening. When you're ready and able, get some exercise in so that you don't lose as much muscle or gain as much fat as you would if you were to just be sedentary during the whole injury process. Maintaining a good diet and just being physically active will help in terms of keeping your physique 
and those good habits as much as you can. Question two, why you need to stop relying on supplements? It's always a hot topic when supplements are involved. We have supplements for everything now. The industry has just gone crazy. Here's your pre-workout and you can take that in powdered form or in bar form. During your workout, take these BCAAs so you don't run out of energy. And then after your workout, have two scoops of this whey protein powder. And before your dinner that night, don't forget your weight gainer shake. Yeah, it's a bit extreme, but there are actually people out there recommending diets that involve replacing multiple meals per day with supplements and shakes, and it just needs to stop. When it comes to supplements, yes, there's some good ones out there, and there's some bad ones out there, and I'm not going to turn this into a supplement deep dive, so I'll just list some of the good ones and others where it would just be better to spend it on real food instead. Disclaimer first, I was listening to the Stronger by Science podcast from earlier today actually, and I think it was Eric on there saying how there are possibly supplements that we're currently taking, and maybe we're not taking the right dose, and he was saying how something like beta alanine, there's a bit of debate whether it works, but it could be because we're not taking enough, because maybe we're not getting enough of it. We don't know everything about every supplement right now, so there's still much to learn going forward. So basically, there are supplements out there that could be really good, but the studies aren't there, and maybe we need to double or triple the doses on certain supplements to really find an effect. And no, I'm not telling you to experiment or try this on yourself. I personally would rather wait for actual solid studies to support taking supplements before I just go and become some guinea pig. Remember that these are called supplements for a reason. They're there to supplement, which literally means, and I'm reading this from the dictionary, supplement literally means something that completes or enhances something when added to it, or another definition is a substance taken to remedy the deficiencies in a person's diet. Supplements are a backup in case your diet is lacking some nutrients, It's not meant to fill in for real food and the minerals and nutrients and vitamins and proteins and carbs and fat you get from that. The supplement industry is hoping they find another supplement like creatine because that's the one that's been shown to do so much for us humans. And there could be even more benefits we have yet to find out. Only recently we found out that there are brain and memory benefits when it comes to taking creatine. Back then, it used to be only for muscle building purposes, and the whole bloat thing has been pretty much debunked for the most part at this point. And listen, there's a ton of supplements that I might not mention today. I understand that. But I'm just talking about why you shouldn't rely on supplements. I'm not talking about good versus bad supplements here. Because even when it comes to the good supplements, you still shouldn't be relying on all of them. The foundation of a healthy life comes down to a few things getting a good amount and high quality of sleep, managing stress in your life, exercising and working out, and a healthy diet. So, okay, diet then is mainly what we're talking about. For creatine, you need 5 grams daily. No bloat happens. The water you gain goes to your muscles, so I'll get that out of the way. No loading phase, just 5 grams daily. That one, you can't naturally get that amount of creatine naturally in your diet. You can maybe be lucky if you have half a gram, because I think one gram of creatine is like 
one to two pounds of meat, so good luck with that. So there's pretty much no way you're going to get 5 grams of creatine naturally from whole foods. 5 grams monohydrate, that one's simple, take that every day. This is one of those important supplements and thousands of studies have shown its benefits. Creatine is not only great for building muscle and strength, but it's been recently shown to benefit your brain matter and your memory as well. Moving on from that, we got another staple, protein powder. This is pretty much why I wanted to talk about this, because like I said, you don't want to rely on supplements if you don't have to. And having a protein powder is great. These are good to have handy in case you're someone who struggles to hit adequate protein levels, which is at least 0.6 grams per pound of body weight that you, yeah, that you currently weigh. Upper echelon is probably around 1.2 to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight. I shoot for my body weight in pounds and grams, so I'm 180 pounds. I aim for 180 grams of protein. I don't always get there, but as long as I can get at least 120 grams of protein daily, then I'm in a good spot. Currently, though, I've been eating around 160 grams of protein daily just from whole foods, so I haven't even really been taking protein powder lately, if I'm being honest. There's just no need for me to go higher if I don't need to. And even then, I always have chocolate milk or regular milk handy so that I can get, I think it's 7 grams of protein for a small 250 milliliter serving. So it's a great boost of protein if I need it. I usually don't have a protein powder shake unless I don't hit my target when the night is about to be over. And I stopped having shakes after workout because with my current schedule, I'm able to actually eat real food quickly after a workout, so that's not a problem for me. Again, you could be facing a different scenario where you have to have your shake post-workout, and that's fine. Other supplements that could belong in this category or just slightly below could be things like caffeine, fish oils, and maybe a multivitamin as well. But there's been some research against if they're actually beneficial, but I'll just take one anyway to cover my bases. I know I don't eat perfectly. I don't have veggies with every single meal, so I'm probably lacking some kind of vitamins. So it's better to just take a multi and be done with it. Other than that, you can arguably... (laughs) Okay, I tried. Uh, Other than that, you can arguably not take any other supplements. Even something like fish oil, if you regularly eat fish in your diet, I don't really see the need for that. Ones that you should pretty much ignore completely are the fat burner supplements. Test boosters are a complete waste of money. Pre-workouts are mainly loaded with filler ingredients. The most proven ingredient in there is caffeine, and some people do swear by beta-alanine. But like I said, there could be some supplements out there that do work, but there currently just isn't enough strong evidence to say whether some supplements work and others don't. When it comes to weight gainer shakes, avoid those completely. They're filled with sugar and you're better off making your own weight gainer shake with natural sugars from fruits. So maybe bananas and berries along with whole milk if you can tolerate it. And some healthy fats like avocados or peanut butter if that's your thing. So why shouldn't you rely on supplements all the time? And that's because having a healthy diet is what's most important. Nothing is going to replace that. It's not going to be the Gigamax 9000 or whatever. 
God, I remember those muscle pills from that one company. I think it was Mutant or something where you'd have to take like eight pills every single day to optimally build muscle according to the company. And if you remember how big those pills looked, they looked like they were for horses, I swear. Luckily, I didn't get caught up in all of the supplement hype. I saved my money. I never really bought anything unless the research suggested it was a good idea. And that's why I mainly only take creatine. I have protein powder handy, a fish oil, a multi. I do have some beta alanine handy as well. And I have some caffeine pills too. They're 200 milligrams each. But I rarely use those. In the past, I only used pre-workout on super special occasions. When I was younger, I'd always buy a 30 serving tub of pre, just a small one. But I never really felt like I needed it. To the point where it would go bad and start to crystallize because I never took enough to finish the whole thing. I usually have enough energy as it is. I don't know why. Maybe it's because most of my life I've had to wake up early so my body's just used to it at this point. People think I'm crazy for working out at 5am not hopped up on any stimulants but that's just something I can just push through and I never really needed pre for a workout. But then again I'm different. You could be someone who feels sluggish and might find that pre actually works and helps you, and that's fine, but I don't think it's smart to be relying on having pre-workout before every single workout. Supplements do not have top-tier nutritional value. Again, the most important things are sleep, diet, exercise, and managing stress levels. That's already difficult enough to do consistently. And there are times where you fall off, but make those things a priority before you go looking for a magic pill that's going to help you fall asleep better, or some supplement to help you lose weight. Because even if that does work, even if you got to your desired weight, you'd still be unhealthy if you don't do it the proper way. I'm getting a little bit off topic here. So when it comes to the whole supplement craze, just focus on your big blocks and boulders first, your diet of whole foods, before you deal with the pebbles, which are the supplements, which could make a 2% difference in your life, unless you're talking about protein and creatine, which are still going to be minimal benefits or gains as opposed to maintaining a healthy, well-balanced uh, well diet and getting proper sleep and working out pretty hard. Instead, save your money and spend it on real food, even though real food is getting pretty expensive these days. And that concludes episode 75 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.